Chapter Seven of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Seven. Poor Snip. The middle weeks of August were come. Sunny, sultry weeks and from the brow of the hill all the vast plain lying westward for many miles looked golden with the corn ripening for harvest the oats in the little field had already been reaped and the fruit in the garden gathered and sold by martha had brought in a few shillings which were carefully hoarded up to buy winter clothing it was now the time of the yearly gathering of bilberries on the hills and the tribes of women and children ascended to the tableland from all the villages round it was the pleasantest work of the year and martha who had never missed the bilberry season since she could remember was not likely to miss it now even little nan could help pick the berries and she and martha were out on the hillside all the livelong summer day their dwelling on the spot gave them a good advantage over those who lived down in botfield and each day before any of the others could reach the best bilberry wires they had already picked a quart of the small purple berries fresh and cool with the dew of the morning only the poor old grandfather had to be left at home alone with his dinner put ready for him which he was apt to eat long before the proper dinner hour came and then he had to wait until stephen returned from his work or martha and little nan were driven home by the august thunderstorms martha was wonderfully successful this year and gained more money by selling her bilberries than she thought necessary to show to stephen though on his part he always brought her every penny of his wages ever since their father's funeral there had been a subject of dispute between the brother and sister martha was bent upon enclosing the green dell with its clear cool little pond and to this end she spent all the time she could spare in raising a rough fence of stones and peat round it but stephen would not consent to it and neither argument scolding nor coaxing could turn him he always answered that he had promised the master that he would not trespass on the manor and he must stand to his word whatever they might lose by it though indeed he saw no harm in making green fields out of the wasteland martha on her side maintained her right as the eldest to act as she judged best and moreover urged the example of her thrifty grandmother who had planned this very enclosure and whose pattern she was determined to follow but before long the dispute was ended and the subject of it became a matter of heart-troubling wonder for several labourers from the master's farm began to fence in the very same ground as well as to prepare the turf behind fern's hollow for the planting of young trees and neither stephen nor martha could hide from the other that these labours made them feel exceedingly uneasy i say stephen said one of the hedgers as he was going down from his work one evening and met the tired boy coming up from his i'm afeard there's some mischief brewing there's master and mr thomas and mr jones the gamekeeper been talking with thy grandfather nigh upon an hour they'll be an upshot some day i know 
and jones he said summat about leaving a keepsake for thee what could it be william asked stephen anxiously how should i know said the man with some reluctance only lad i did hear a gun go off and i never heard snip bark again though i listened for him stephen stephen dunna thee go so mad like but it was no use shouting after stephen as he ran frantically up the hill snip was always basking lazily in the sunshine under the hedge of the paddock at the very point where he could catch the first sight of his young master after which there was no more idleness or stillness in him stephen could hardly breathe when he found that snip was not at the usual place to greet him but before he reached his home he saw it the dead body of his own poor snip hung on the post of the wicket through which he had to pass he flew to the place he tore his own hands with the nails that were driven through snip's feet and then without a thought of his grandfather or of his own hunger he bore away the dead dog in his arms and wandered far out of sight or sound of the hateful cruel world into one of the most solitary plains upon the uplands anyone passing by might have thought that stephen was fast asleep in the last slanting rays of the sun which shone upon him there some time after the evening shadows had fallen upon botfield but a frenzy of passion too strong for any words had felled him to the ground where he lay beside snip the gamekeeper who had so many dogs that he did not care for any one of them in particular had killed this one creature that was dearer to him than anything in the world except little nan and grandfather and martha and snip was dead without remedy and no power on earth could bring back the departed life oh if he could only punish the villain who had shot his poor faithful dog but he was nothing but a poor boy very poor and very helpless and friendless and people would only laugh at his trouble all the world was against him and he could do nothing to revenge himself but to hate everybody why lad why stephen what ails thee said black thompson's voice close behind him eh who's gone and shot snip that rascal jones i'll go bail is he quite dead stephen stand up lad and let's give a look at him the boy rose and faced black thompson and his comrade with eyes that were bloodshot though he had not shed a tear and with lips almost bitten through by his angry teeth both the men handled the dog gently and carefully but after a moment's inspection thompson laid it down again on the turf it's a shame he cried with an oath that sounded pleasantly in stephen's ears it was one of the best little dogs about i'd take my vengeance on him for this in thy place i couldn't sleep till i'd done something ay said stephen with flashing eyes i know where he's keeping a covey of birds up against game day nineteen of them i've seen them every day and i could go to the place in the dark that's a brave lad said black thompson he's got his father's pluck after all as i always told thee davies and we'll see him righted he's got eyes in his head has this lad they're down in the Liso between the first penny and ragliff hill continued stephen and they're just prime i can tell ye and i know too what he doesn't know himself i know to some black game far away up the hill 
he'd give his two eyes to see them with their white wing feathers and if he hadn't stephen stopped with quivering lips for he could not speak yet of snip's murder never take on my lad said black thompson clapping him on the back we'll spoil his sport for him come thy ways with us it'll be dark dusk before we gain the spinney and jones is off to the whitehurst woods to-night we'll have as rare sport as the lord of the manor himself thee are a sharp one i'd lay a round wager now thee knows where all the sheep of the hillside fold of nights ay do i answered stephen walking briskly beside black thompson i know every walk and every fold on the hills ay and many other sheep themselves i keep my eyes wide open out of doors i promise ye i'll swear to that said black thompson glad to encourage the boy in his foolish boasting on their way they passed near to fern's hollow and stephen heard little nan's shrill voice calling his name as if she were seeking him weariedly but when he hesitated for a moment his heart yearning to answer her black thompson again patted him on the back and bade him never show the white feather but remember poor dead snip at which his passion for revenge returned and he pressed on eagerly to the fir coppice it was quite dark when they entered the path leading through the wood no one spoke now and they trod cautiously lest there should be any noise from their footsteps the tall black fir trees towered above them to an unusual height and through all the topmost branches there ran a low mournful sound as if every tree was whispering about them and lamenting over them even the little brook which in the sunshine rippled so merrily along the borders of the wood seemed to be sobbing like a grieved and tired child in the night-time strange rustlings on every side and sudden groanings of the withered boughs in some of the pines made them start in fear and once in a little opening among the trees when the stars came out and looked down upon them stephen would have given all he had in the world to be safe at home with little nan singing hymns on his knee or quietly asleep after the hot and busy day it's lonesome enough to make a bulldog afeard whispered davies in a frightened tone but before long they were out of the wood and in the glimmer of light that lasts all night through during the summer stephen saw black thompson unwind a net which had been wrapped round his body under his collier's jacket more than half the covey of partridges were bagged and they had such capital luck as the men called it that stephen soon entered into the daring spirit of the adventure it sent a thrill of excitement through him in which poor snip was for the time forgotten and when about midnight black thompson and davies said good-night to him at his cottage door calling him a brave fellow and giving him a fine young leveret with a promise that he should have his share of whatever money they receive for their spoil he entered his dark home where every one was slumbering peacefully and without a thought of sorrow or repentance was quickly asleep himself End of chapter seven